Welcome to Chum the Water. My name's Aaron David. I just realized my charger is not actually plugged into electricity, so I'm just going to unplug that. It does no good, man. So this is uh, Day of Jupiter. We've reached Friday's sort of end of momentum of the week today because... Uh, It's a bank holiday in France, Canada, and the U.S. Uh, This is Veterans Day here and elsewhere, and some other holidays elsewhere, too. So, No touchy the foreign exchange. No touchy. Uh, So what I want to talk about is um, sort of where I'm at. Uh, if you've been listening closely, I kind of dropped a bomb a bit, and uh, it's because of how close I am. Like, I've got to start going forward with what happens when this happens. So I've got to explain, so far, I've not been able to do 10% in a in a live challenge to get this damn account. <laughs> it's very frustrating. Because my mentor says 10% is low-hanging fruit. And I'm like, ah, why can't I do this? I know I've got the skill, but I keep ending up angry and blowing out. Well, all right, so I I understand why now. Um, I'm not a very smart person in many ways. Kelly often says, like, sometimes in some things I'm smarter than anybody she's ever met but in other things I am like the dumbest person she's ever met like more common sense type things I don't know I've I've just you know I'm I was never forced to a lot of experience uh growing up (laughs) and so I kind of dug my own channels but um Kelly is very, 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 very good with budgeting and uh, with administrative stuff like that. She's a Virgo and she's a single mom. Her uh, daughter is in New York with her own son now. And um, if I had a company, I would want to hire single parent Virgos for that budgety administrative type stuff because they live it (laughs) they live it of necessity and uh yeah that is a an absolute skill set and I don't have that I have not had that so I've been approaching the markets with a skill set technical skills and uh but lacking money management that's why I keep running into the problem I'm running into. I had no plan when it came to money management. And like this is just as equally crucial as the technical skill for trading. Um, and I, I went back over the core content. There it is. Month two. It's been done for me. I don't even have to do the math. And I just missed it or forgot about it or didn't realize its importance the first time through the mentorship so it's just landed in my lap and I realize I have a clear-cut path to 10% a month now 
Um, what I have been doing is kind of like, let's say you catch lightning for a living uh, and uh, you just keep getting fried. Every time you go to catch lightning, you're just freaking electrocuted. You get lightning struck or the lightning strike, it, it just misses. You miss the entire thing or something. But most of the time you get electrocuted. <laughs> And it's because you're trying to capture the entire uh, lightning strike. Um, instead, if you had a plan to just capture a little bit of lighting, lightning in every storm that happened, uh, before long, you would have the power of a thousand storms. And Einstein called this the most powerful force in the universe. Uh, that is compound interest. So that has been what's escaping me. What's causing me to implode uh, is a lack of money management. I, I don't budget. I've never budgeted. I've always been terrible with money. I think both my parents are the same way. It's kind of, you know just never done it before, never realized its importance. Here's a, yet another example of trading showing me how absolutely crucial something was. After trying to do this without this piece, and every, it just crumbling every damn time, then coming to this discovery, I'm like, holy God, this is where the, the secret sauce is. You know, think about that. Einstein called it the most powerful force in the universe. It's true. Compounding. So, uh, now, with this in hand, let me just run you through a scenario. Let's say I acquire a $200,000 account challenge. Let's say I complete it as fast as I could. Um, let's say about a month. I get funded with the actual 200000 And I start this machine up. Uh, so that's 10% of 200000 is like 20000 You keep 70%. Last time I checked. Though that could be very well higher now since FTMO has grown as a company. But uh, you keep at least 70% of that $20,000. And then of course you call your accountant. And uh, he works out the taxes. So you have much less than the $20,000. But you got more than you got now. Um, and let's say you, you don't bring it out. You're just aware of all those things. You don't take it out of the account. You trade with it the next month. So next month you're trading with $220,000. And uh, then 10% of that then you do the same thing the next month and that's how compounding works and with leverage trading compounding happens really 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 fast <laughs> and uh so i just didn't know how to get there the budgeting part of how do i incrementally go about this day to day that's where i was blind at uh and it's one of those kind of common sense things that i think everybody else would be like dude what the hell like what that's so obvious but again, like Kelly, like she's like, 
in some things you're really intelligent and then in other things it's like you're the dumbest person I've ever met and this is one of those things where uh I just kind of feel like what the hell like why didn't I see this up until now yeah so um now that I do see it I see what's possible and when I I see that I realize I've got to start planning for that and so um you know I start talking about the goat thing and the recipe goat gave me master wort mother wort then I acquire master wort and um start an examination of this neophyte ritual and uh realize uh I've always wanted to essentially start a temple I wouldn't have called it that a long time ago that's essentially what it is and uh, this works out really well because this could be tax exempt which could solve an enormous uh, problem for me in taxes because traders are very heavily taxed and most traders when they do uh, acquire an account with a prop firm they will actually start their own company and have the prop firm pay them through that company. Uh, And they will, through their own company, have hired themselves as an employee and will pay themselves wages through that company. So if you can see that being done on, um, with a company that's a temple that is tax exempt, uh, I'm going to obviously have to talk to a lawyer (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to have an accountant and a lawyer um, pretty much immediately. As soon as I get a first profit split, um, that's going to be the phone calls. So um, how can I do that? Yeah, how can I do that? Because uh, you see to what um, drastic measures the wealthy will go to escape taxes, to escape what, you know, you and I for their entire lives just put up with. Uh, They are incredibly crafty. Sam Walton invented this uh, way to get around taxes that's being used by uh, somebody today, but the difference today, I forget what the company is, one of the big companies, they, Sam Walton was actually able to do it uh, where people, it wasn't public, but because the company that's doing it today is publicly traded, uh, it's public now, so it's like, God, you're slimy. <laughs> like, you're essentially just, I mean, it's really incredibly brilliant the ways in which these people figure out to uh, keep the money they're making. And then so they become what Sam Walton created. Look at what it is now. It's it's just gotten out of hand. I'd love that to happen to me. (laughs) Anyway... Uh, so yeah, that's the, that's what I see in the future. And so then there's, that just creates a lot of incredible work. Um, 
So the very first thing to look at is what is the temple? No, it is not just a um, cover for a trading business. It is that, but it is more. Um, It would be a hermetic temple. What does a hermetic temple look like? I don't know. What do I make it look like? Like, I am the creator. (laughs) It can look like what I say it looks like. It actually can't because that would get in trouble if I, if I, um, if I made it what I wanted, uh, you know, it would, it would be, it would all end in some horrible Jim Jones type thing. That's when, when egos start running religious orders, it just all ends badly. Like if, if Jim Jones would have been some kind of sex maniac, uh, Maybe he was, I don't know. It seems to me like his thing, <laughs> like j- just complete control of people. It's like that uh, experiment where they brought in students and uh, they made some of them be in jail and then made the others be the wardens of the jail. He got really ugly really quickly. Got horrifying, actually. That's the reality. That's the reality of this vampiric world done on a very small scale it immediately emerged um so no i'm not uh looking to begin anything like that i want uh to found something that would prevent that from happening would prevent any egoic head from coming in and uh being it making it about control rather this temple i would want to st- i would want it to stay for generations um to be part of the landscape to be part of the reason people come to the area to see this uh, just like they do here with the uh uh the biltmore mansion and um uh blue ridge parkway and thomas wolf well it's not called thomas wolf auditorium anymore it's actually Harris. Harry's Casino something. <laughs> we, we sold the name of it. And they were the largest bidder. But uh, you know what I'm saying. Um, and I would want it to be an actual place of initiation. Um, uh, where people can come for that. Uh, with all of these other magical orders, there's all this kind of like... It reminds me of the episode of Andy Griffith where Opie joins a secret club. Uh, there's no need in our society for this to be secret. Um, sure, there are things that wouldn't be you know, spoken about publicly because they, wouldn't, they could not be understood. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't hurt to put it out there publicly because nobody will understand it Uh, because it requires like initiation to to be able to grok. Uh, What I'm saying is that I would want this temple, this hypothetical temple to be a place where people could come for initiation in the classical sense. Uh, This could be, you know, and I foresee people bringing their children and their grandchildren to here to get initiated in the mysteries. 
that's what I see a very classical vision. Um, that's what I want. And so what what a temple is about, temple life is about ritual, uh, daily ritual. And what do I want that to look like? <clears throat> well, obviously my my lens is hermetic, and so um, that's what it would center around. Um, every day of the week would center on uh, that planetary ruler and uh, the spirits therein and um, really the the main the core of the temple would be initiation and so that's why I'm finding myself currently uh looking at notions <clears throat> of the witches I, would, I mean I'm a triple Capricorn I have very particular notions about this uh, and the neophyte ceremony of the golden dawn looking at that in two places and I really just want to I mean you know this is not something that immediately could plop down this is probably the longest term plans that I've ever had but that have always been there in the background always been what I've been working towards Um, so the neophyte ceremony in the golden dawn it, it takes place in the temple the temple is set up uh, where this astrally is or what's represented by the temple setup is the hall of Mont or the hall of two truths and so how do we understand that like how do we fit that into uh, our understanding as hermetic magicians um, our cosmology and so a temple also of necessity needs a theology and a cosmology and um, not necessarily in eschatology <laughs> because that's uh, not really a thing with uh, hermetic philosophy there is no eschatology it never stops uh, it's eternal Nietzsche's eternal return it would be interesting to explore in the uh, I, I, the most interesting eschatological um, commentary I've heard has come from a documentary uh, that was looking at the universe. It may have been that new one, like the you know the old one, Leonard Nimoy uh, narrated. I can't think of what it's called. They did a new one. It may have been from that, where they talked about like when all the stars burn out and even all the black holes collapse, and there's actually nothing. Like anyway, I, I'm off on a tangent here. Uh, I want to go to Pat Zalewski's Golden Dawn Rituals and Commentaries, 
and uh, look over on page 101. And there is a commentary on the neophyte ceremony, general symbolism of the ceremony, uh, general exordium. And uh, within the Z1 document, the general exordium says, so this is a breakdown of the parts of the neophyte ritual. Uh, There are 11. So here we go. I'm going to read them off. One, the speech in the silence. Two, the words against the son of night. Three, the voice of Thoth before the universe in the presence of the eternal gods. Four, the formulas of knowledge. Five, the wisdom of breath. Six, the radix of vibration. Seven, the shaking of the invisible. Eight, the rolling asunder of the darkness. Nine, the becoming visible of matter. Ten, the piercing of the coils of the stooping dragon. Eleven, the breaking forth of the light. So there, before we even look at uh, the Golden Dawn stuff, I want to take that that skeleton there and then turn to, uh, I think it's chapter 25 of the Book of the Dead, which is where this scene that the Golden Dawn is replicating in this, uh, this ritual takes place. It's the weighing of the heart in the Hall of Mott, the Hall of Two Truths, uh, where the initiate's heart is weighed with a feather. What kind of feather? Of course, a white ostrich feather. And, uh, yeah, so I'm going to stop it right here. And uh, I used to have the Book of the Dead paperback I'm going to try to find it if not I'll pull it up online and so I'll be right back with the reading of it okay it's been a little while since I uh, paused the recording to go get the book because I've been reading the book I actually have never read this book which, uh, you know, you can only read like around 2,000 or so books, even if you're really hauling through a lifetime. Uh, So I've just never read it, but browsing through it, skimming it, I was like, oh my God. Uh, Particularly coming on the the opening of the mouth ceremony. Um... That super reflects a dream I had through this initiatory stuff. But that's, uh, I, I think a lot of people can relate. I think a lot of people who have gone through initiations realize that there's some shit going down in the underworld and that <laughs> there are descriptions of it from 
sources like this and it may not necessarily have the Egyptian pantheon uh, so explicit um, you know going back to that being the cloud moving over not getting stuck in time and place uh, because the uh, the gods are there visible whether they're wearing a nimbus or not um, so I mean obviously the Golden Dawn and the Lima both retained uh, the Egyptian um, the Egyptian you know what am I trying to say I guess religious ascetic aesthetic um, I forget who it was from uh, from history who said that the heavens resemble Egypt so remembering that um, you know is it something to retain going forward possibly maybe I'm not sure uh, this is just what we're phase we're at is going over um, from the beginning and just absorbing so with that in mind, here we go. Text. This is from 20, page 25 of Budge's uh, The Book of the Dead, and it is uh, The Judgment. Osiris the scribe Ani saith, My heart, my mother, my heart, my mother, my heart, my coming into being. May there be nothing to resist me at my judgment. May there be no opposition to me from Chachka. May the... Uh, by the way, footnote. Uh, Chachka is the heads or chiefs. Um, Osiris had uh, chiefs by name, which is interesting. Continuing. May there be no parting of thee from me in the presence of him that keepeth the scales. Thou art my Ka. Uh, we could look at Ka as the, um, interjecting my, myself here, look at the Ka as the Nefesh. Uh, continuing, thou art my Ka within my body, which knitteth together and strengtheneth my limbs. Mayest thou come forth to the place of happiness to which I am advancing. May the Shinit not cause my name to stink. And may no lies be spoken against me in the presence of the God. Good, good is it for thee to hear. So, uh, going back to our template for the neophyte ritual of the Golden Dawn, that would be categorized under number one, the speech in the silence. Uh, I'm not. I'm just juxtaposing these or overlaying them. I'm not saying they exactly have to match. Uh, but number two, uh, the words against the son of night, followed by number three, the voice of Thoth before the universe in the presence of the eternal gods. So going back to the Book of the Dead, here's the next paragraph. Thoth the judge of right and truth of the great company of the gods who are in the presence of Osiris saith, 
Hear ye this judgment. The heart of Osiris hath in very truth been weighed, and his soul hath stood as a witness for him. It hath been found true by trial in the great balance. There hath not been found any wickedness in him. He hath not wasted the offerings in the temples. He hath not done harm by his deeds, and he hath uttered no evil reports while he was upon earth. The great company of the gods reply to Thoth, who dwelleth in Kemenu, or Hermopolis. That which cometh forth from thy mouth shall be declared true. Osiris, the scribe Ani victorious, is holy and righteous. Righteous, He hath not sinned, neither hath he done evil against us. It shall not be allowed to the devourer, Amamet, to prevail over him. Meat offerings and entrance into the presence of the god Osiris shall be granted unto him together with the homestead forever in Seket Hetepu, as unto the followers of Horus. Saith Horus, the son of Isis, I have come to thee, O Unnefer, and I have brought unto thee the Osiris Ani, His heart is found righteous, and it hath come forth from the balance. It hath not sinned against any god or any goddess. Thoth hath weighed it according to the decree pronounced unto him by the company of the gods, and it is most true and righteous. Grant that cakes and ale may be given unto him, and let him appear in the presence of the god Osiris, and let him be like unto the followers of Horus forever and forever. And Osiris Ani saith, Behold, I am in thy presence, O Lord of Amentet. There is no sin in my body. I have not spoken that which is not true knowingly, nor have I done aught with a false heart. Grant thou that I may be likened to those favored ones who are in thy following and that I may be an Osiris greatly favored of the beautiful God and beloved of the Lord of the world. I, who am indeed a royal scribe who loveth thee, Ani, victorious before the God Osiris. As I was reading that, the soul made perfect the last person speaking. Um, I was thinking about uh, Clark Ashton's Clark Ashton Smith's short story uh, Zethra I think is the name or is that my short story I named a short story something very similar (laughs) anyway I'm thinking of Clark Ashton Smith's in which there was a simple goat herder a boy who falls into another world underworld and remembers he is a king and uh, has an experience with the heart of the scorpion and Terry's and God is that a good story amazing story but there too is the tale of 
our royalty. And there's no better tale to be telling on this day of kings, this day of the king of kings, this day of Jupiter. Man, I'm all juiced now after reading that. <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll just to go back to the template from the uh, commentary on the neophyte ceremony. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I think the voice of the before the universe and the presence of the eternal God, gods, the formulas of knowledge, the wisdom of breath, the radix of vibration, the shaking of the invisible, the rolling asunder of the darkness, the becoming visible of matter, the piercing of the coils of the stooping dragon, stooping dragon, the breath breaking forth of the light. So I think it it's not going to uh, stop with there. I think um, that a uh, we're not going to get all of those categories out of what I just read. Uh, it's going to continue. Let's see what, before I go, let's just see what Zalewski said. <clears throat> I believe this is his commentary. Here we go. Commentary on... The General Exordium. Number one, the speech in the silence. Again, this is uh, Pat Zalewski's commentary on the Neophyte Ceremonies General Exordium, which was within a Z1 document. All right, the speech in the silence. This relates to the knock that the Hierophant gives to start the ceremony and to announce the commencement of a vibration in the sphere of sensation of the candidate. This knock can be done with the stamp of the foot. Some hierophants use the base of the scepter against the throne. 2. The words against the son of night. Here you have the cry of the carex, the watcher within, the words hekas hekas este bebeloi. Uh... I've actually used that before, and it worked. The Carex utter these words when he goes to the right of the Hierophant and raises his wand. This is the symbol of the ray of the divine light from the white triangle of the three supernals, which then descends into darkness and warns the evil and uninitiated to retire so that the white triangle may be formulated upon the altar through the combined effect of the formula of the opening ceremony. And I'll just read up to as, as far as I felt that it related to what I just read from the Book of the Dead. Uh, and then we'll have to continue on with this in, a, in another show once I figure that out. Number, uh, did I, we did, read number two? Yeah, so... Number three, the voice of Thoth before the universe in the presence of the eternal gods. This is analogous to the opening speech from, of the Hierophant 
where he asks the Carricks to check that the hall is properly guarded, for this assures that the portal is secure, and that the energy from the current of Thoth had now manifested into the ceremony. For the formulas of knowledge, in this instant the Hierophant calls to the Hieraeus to test the members present by the signs of knowledge, which shows that they, though in the land of blindness and ignorance, have yet seen that the triangle of divine light from the three supernals that is formulated in darkness. You will note that the Hierophant gives the sign of silence towards the west and is not immediately followed by the sign of silence. But here the Hierophant has sent the current of light through the, to the Hieraeus, but he cannot release it through the sign of silence until it links directly to the Hieraeus throne, for then the central axis is established through Samek and Ta. Once he gives the words to reawaken the images or shells of the god forms, he then releases his current with the sign of silence. Otherwise, he would expend it and exhaust himself. Um, so, those shells. Um, again. Nefesh. Uh, sort of. <laughs> Uh, how can I say this? Just in the way that um, one night when we were in Mars Hill, Kelly woke up and saw at the end of the bed a coffin laying on its side open with me in it, dead, wearing all black, black combat boots, black pants, black shirting black cape and black cowl with small bat wings and uh, an open face smiling slightly and there was a shovel and another uh, similar tool in the coffin with me now at that time I had a notion well this is obviously my my double or uh, what is it called um, doppelganger uh, but what the hell is going on here and it's not until later that I put the clues together uh, this is my nefesh uh, this is the underworld version of me this is the sublunar version of me this is, uh, this is the Egyptian ka this is what is called forth in the initiation ceremony. Um, and I think, I think there is a good place to stop with the examination of this uh, for today. I think there's a lot, a hell of a lot to think about there. And uh, so until next time.